Welcome to the Minivate Gang Podcast, episode 390. I'm Holy Steve Borsch, and I'm on with <laughs> Tim Elliott. Only 10 more to go to 400. Right. 390. Holy crap. <laughs> and that's Phil Wilson saying, holy crap. Didn't your mother ever tell you not to swear? I'm sorry. Come on. That, that's what not the swearing these days. Come on. Yeah, that's. Yeah. When you see WTF in a major publication. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. You know, you don't. Yeah, move uh, on. Yeah. 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 Well, it was. I was probably 15 when my grandpa finally said to me, you shouldn't use snafu. And I said, what oh, do you mean? That's true. And he said, oh, that's right. Yeah. And he said, because uh, here's what it means. And I was yeah. like, oh, gee. Go ahead. Know, say it. Go ahead. Say it. What does yeah, it mean? Situa- no, you don't, have to, you don't have to say. Situation normal, all effed up. There you go. So, yeah. Anyway, so, I so think we, we got a lot to talk about. So you're about. afraid to drop the F-bomb? Is that what you were just saying? Well, No, what? I'm Maybe. not. I just don't want to get an explicit uh, label oh, on the podcast. Ah, oh, the Apple yeah. overlords. That's yeah. right. They, well, no, I mean, it's the, it's the uh, speech-to-text thing. So mm. anyway. Yes, sir. We got a bunch of stories to talk about, boys. Did you guys want to lay into me at all or make any jokes about uh, me working for a failing pile of garbage no no okay just curious well you know we should well okay so let's just mention that no, so. what, what does it have to do with tech especially in minnesota because it's buzzfeed well no it's well okay okay right. I, is it in a new story no it's not i was just no. i was just, just saying, making a comment. Know, everybody everybody gives me a hard time about it so I just, oh okay all right you guys are gonna give so me is a- this the new journalism where we just uh, we just print crap and let people decide if it's if it's true or not it's an interesting concept i gotta tell you you know yeah. and i you know the big conversation at the office obviously about you know um you know would you have made the decision would you have made the decision that sort of thing so it's uh i think based on our perceptions yours mine steve's just because you know uh our history and experience with journalism. Yeah, we're old. Um, I think that, no, we wouldn't have made that call. But if you really step back and think journalism can never be the same way again. Now I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm saying that, you know, within an era of WikiLeaks and um, you know, the proliferation of everything on the internet, how do you going to get out? How, yeah, well, how do you not? And do you, and and again, I I don't know the full rationale other than what what Ben Smith shared with the company, and then also on Twitter, was that you know I I, I think you have to stop and think: uh, is it better to let it come out, or is it better to make it available with the caveats that it's crap or could be crap. Well, and now well, it's we, not verified, though. It's not verified, no, no, but that, now we, yeah, that's now, what I'm saying. Yeah, now we have a um, report that um, Democrats left a meeting where the classified portion was was released because I'm sure they put pressure, and they are all appalled and just came out just saying, "Oh my God!" But they can't say anything about it. But so the point is, is that the release of that is going to force the release of the classified information. So is that good or is that bad? I think it's good. I think transparency is uh, is a good thing. Okay. So to a point, I mean, at some point, you know, transparency would not have been a good thing in World War II, for example. <laughs> you right. Because we right. don't want to telegraph our intent. Oh, by the way, we're gonna we're gonna hit uh, hit Omaha Beach on June sixth. Uh, 
That's unverified, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, uh, having rumor and innuendo treated as as real news without any substantiation is troubling. It is troubling. Well, the report itself is not rumor and innuendo. Right. Well, but the but no, what what's in it is is, though, the whole the Russian hooker stuff is. Yeah, it's not verified. True. true. That's all rumor and innuendo. But the existence yeah. of the report is all oh, right now. And it was it was referenced in a, you know, a briefing to, you know, the president and the president elect. So yeah. I know it's it's a slippery slope and it's one I know that Ben struggled with as far as what to do. Um, so. Well, he well, made the all wrong I, choice. Well, all I can say, all I can say <laughs> in, is, is in that your, yes, in your opinion, yes, I, I is, think in the opinion of the uh, of history, he's made the wrong choice. But. I well, okay, but let's just end it with this: that it has made for some of the greatest comedic tweets I've ever seen in my yeah. life. <laughs> yeah. So That's anyway. Great. Okay, so Minnesota, Minnesota stories. Let's talk. Th- this was uh, kind of a troubling article uh, in the Star yeah. Tribune about Minnesota seeing the fewest venture capital deals in 12 years. 23 deals. Isn't that just something? I mean, and uh, well, one thing I'd like to see is what happened. What's happened with business taxes over this period? You know, is it is it a cause and effect kind of a kind of a deal? I doubt it. It's tough to know. So it's just, it. so it's or just so that saying, the economic saying, conditions are, here are so bad that that's you, why. Are you saying the job creators are not creating jobs because they're being taxed too much, Tim? Is that what we're saying? No, I'm saying that that capital capital is not coming into the state because uh, it, it does less here than it would do in other states because of taxes. Well, but so, wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't you say though the two that I mean it's it's the, the the one thing that's a constant is the fact that venture capital investment is cyclical. Uh, you know, it's not, it doesn't grow every year. And Minnesota has never been been world renowned for, you know, uh, venture capitalists writing checks. We yeah. we do a lot of tire kicking here, but we we don't dive right in with money. So. Right. And and we're totally out of ideas. So anyway. Really? Um, oh, I got an idea. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, hey, I got an idea. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, Okay. Yeah, don't go there. Whatever it is, don't go there. No, no, no. But on the on a brighter note, with respect to startups, uh, Vibes, a company um, uh, that makes uh, earplugs, which essentially mitigate the decibels when you're in a concert situation. Yeah, which I think is a brilliant idea. Yeah, it it's is. a great idea. Yeah. You can you can still hear everything, right? But it just, just it literally more, more drops maybe. the volume. Yeah, and uh, they're going to be on Shark Tank. Do you guys uh, watch that show? January twenty seventh. I do. Yeah, so do In fact, I. We watched not, the not latest episode last night. I haven't watched them, so it's yeah. pretty good. It is good. It's yeah. interesting. Yeah, well, that's cool. Some of the people on there, like there's one in the latest episode that she was so unprepared, it was just scary. Yeah. Well, I think she was nervous. That, I mean, you go that, on the show, don't you think that you would be prepared? Yeah. Well, it's not a live show, is it? No. Okay, but no, they, but they want. I was so saying that. If, if, so they basically put this poor woman on display, and she's not prepared. So nationwide, they wreck her. That's a good idea. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It's well, kinda, no, she did kind of like she sort of like, did it to herself. But well, it's it's the bone. It's like the boned up auditions in, in American Idol. I mean, it's like you know, of course, those people aren't going to get anywhere. Why do you even put them on? So. Yeah. Anyway, anyway well, hopefully this guy's uh, Shark Tank goes better than some and do. Some are fine, though. Yeah. You get in- investment. 
Yep. Well, it's and there, there was also a, a company, One Ohm. Yes. Um, uh, I think that's how you pronounce it, not One Ohm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's One Ohm. Yeah. It, it expands its reach to five more states. Um, and what's really fascinating about this is I really didn't know that there was a category called pharmacogenomics. Yeah. And yeah, it's the, well, customized it, medicine. It's the study of how genes uh, affect a, re, a person's response to drugs. And and what was really fascinating about that is that when I did the 23andMe genetic workup, and this is when they were still looking at everybody in your haplogroups and determining your um, potential for drug reaction or for disease and so on, which the FDA cracked down on them for doing because the sample sizes are too small. Um, but the point was, is that one of the things that they said was that I would potentially, because of my genomics, would have a toxic reaction to floxacillin, which is a penicillin derivative. And I thought, okay, I've never even heard of floxacillin. Then I discovered that it's used extensively in Japan and Australia. Two places, huh. two places I've been, and and I thought, well, boy, I'm glad I didn't get sick over there. And somebody says, hey, let's give you the shot of this floxacillin. Uh, <laughs> but now I know. Um, and so, what what other drugs, uh, you know, potentially are you know are toxic to each one of us? Um, and this so this is kind of a fascinating category, and it is technology that they licensed from Mayo Clinic, and Mayo Clinic is one of the investors, I believe. Um, uh, one of the venture investors. And um, so really fascinating stuff. Anyway. It is. Anyway. This will be good. Yeah. So that 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 was birthed out of Mayo, and now it's going to – Right. And now it's got, it's got a patent pending status, which allows it to protect its IP a little bit more. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then Target, uh, you know, they've got that Techstars-based venture adventure uh, where they're bringing in startups and so on, and they yep. actually – they actually grabbed one, uh, funded it, and are bringing it in house, or in Minneapolis. They're going to be headquartered in Minneapolis. But, but Tim, I'm wondering about their their so their value prop is the the company's called Inspectorio, and their value proposition is is that they help companies help retailers specifically monitor the supply chain, and they they talked about how you know as one example. Um, the, the potential for deception is there because remember when Target cut ties with that uh, India-based uh, company that was supplying sheets to them, and they were passing off the sheets as being made from Egyptian cotton when they were not. And um, and so as I was looking through this article, here's what I didn't understand, and maybe you know, Tim, or maybe you have a, a different take on it. How can software help monitor a supply chain um, because if a company wants to deceive or supply something that's, uh, you know, a different inferior product, how, how is, how's this work? How, how are they going to do that? Well, if you look at uh, kind of what they're trying to do is they're trying to automate a process that's in people's heads and it's a, a paper and pencil kind of a thing. It's looking at the relationships of different vendors within the supply chain. So you can see several red flags if a company that had previously not made an item all of a sudden claimed to make an item. 
I mean, you might want to uh, do a little more investigation to, to figure out, is this a new capability or are they just making this up? So Got it. this is a, just, just a way to streamline the information flow. And, you know, it's, it's mostly in, in, you know, experience, people's experience with uh, various companies. And now they're, they're able to digitize all of this stuff. It's very complicated, as you might imagine, yeah. especially if you go to, over to India and uh, you know China and all that, keeping up with all the relationships. It's something that Apple certainly has done um, well, um, you know, for the past you know ten or twelve years, right, however long right. it's been. Well, they they uh, on their website they do talk about how it'll they have a defect prediction algorithm and they have uh, uh, this managerial dashboard that. Uh, allows these geolocated inspectors to feed their data into it, you know, about the technical specs mm-hmm. and about, um, you know, the quality control checks that they make um, so that you would know, even though obviously those could all be falsified, but um, yeah. you, you at least you would know that the stuff that was being made was checked and here's the data. The stuff that's actually being shipped out is there and then we have our own independent inspector who goes out and inspects the quality and then they feed that data in so now i can see that from the time it left the factory till the time it's on the ship it's the same you know it's actually it's actually egyptian cotton i'm assuming that's how it works um without without getting a demo but that that was kind of cool i thought yeah no it's, it's a good innovation yeah i think that someone like samsung would 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 like that kind of for thing their that, phones so, so they don't get bad batteries you know in their phones right 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 You're, that's not funny <laughs> <laughs> well, i mean it's a kind of actually it kind of is but yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man uh so, so what this, else? Uh, other target guy is going to amazon to to i guess to oversee the growth of uh, Prime, Amazon Prime, and overseas markets, right? Which I, I found interesting because a, a lot of what we talked about it as far as the the TechStars startup and uh, the the change in culture as far as uh, technology at Target, I just it, largely this guy's responsible for that. So now he's on his way yeah, to Amazon. Jamil Johnny Ghani. Jamil Ghani. I think he got the job because he he's also bald like uh, Bezos is. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> well, he's going to run Prime, though, inter- just internationally, not in the U.S. Yeah, right. Um, but, um, um, yeah, it's um, it's a good move. Yeah. Yep. Interesting to see how that uh, pans out. So, Steve, Fine. you you put in here, um, uh, you know, we, we, we didn't touch on a story last week, and it sort of... Uh, sort of, sort of ballooned a little bit. A little bit, um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so I'll yeah. set this up for everybody yeah. listening. So, um, uh, there was a story about the Best Buy Geek Squad um, uh, having informants inside that would uh, scan data and send it to the FBI, and they um, this was uh, revealed during a child porn case where they found an image, a single image, on a guy's hard drive. And they turned him into the FBI, and apparently they were paid informants. This guy was at Best Buy was getting um, you know five hundred dollars a month or something for for doing it. He's being paid, and um, then um, there were follow up articles. But 
what was most, and I'll talk about those in a second, but what was most interesting was was uh, Randy Geis, you know, who's the guy that was one of the first BestBuy.com developers. He and Graham Thickens were involved right at the very beginning of them going online, and he goes by Pixelated as, uh, as his Twitter handle. And he tweeted out this article uh, and and put Graham and I on it and said in there that Riddick, this guy at Geek Squad, claims records show that the FBI and Best Buy made sure that during the period from 2007 to the present, there was always at least one supervisor who was an active informant to the FBI. Wow. And, um, and so now the subsequent articles that have come out have been, you know, if a Best Buy technician is a paid FBI informant, are his computer searches legal? So there's that whole can of worms. Sure. Um, but Robert Stevens did tweet back and he said to the three of us, he said, hey, I never knew. I was glad to hear the Best Buy spokesman say the company has a policy of no payouts allowed. FBI crossed the line. So A, I'm sure that somebody at Best Buy will get fired um, for this. Uh, yep. But also probably that- whoever leads the uh, the service center in Kentucky. Right. Where this went on. Right. So they have a mail-in service center, and that's where apparently all of this took, went down. Right, right. Well, and somebody pointed out, too, that in, in a blog post that I read, that, um, you know, how many times have you potentially clicked on a link in an email and gone to a web page that had something on that that was completely inappropriate, right? You know, that, that could be construed as child porn. And ended up in your browser cache because they only found one image right. on this guy's hard drive. And that, that could have been the way it got there. You never know. You never know. So, so, yeah. um, anyway, so there, well, was, it's a chilling thing. Obviously it's not good for the geek squads branding. I think a lot of people will never trust them, um, again. Yeah. Because of well, that. and, and you know, what's you know, what's too bad. And this is just a word to the wise for anyone. If you are taking your computer into uh, the Geek Squad, or into um, uh, Apple, you know, at uh, at the Genius Bar, set up a separate admin account. And so, whenever I whenever I take my machine in, mm-hmm. I set up a separate admin account that you know is just uh, Apple, Apple, you know, password Apple, and um, uh, and then they do their thing, and then they, when they give it back to me, I just delete the account. And um, uh, that way they can't break in. And I use File Vault, so my my personal stuff is all encrypted on right on the hard drive. And if you don't use File Vault, by the way, use it because it'll encrypt everything on your hard drive and um, works great. And so then you don't have to worry about this. Mm-hmm. So anyway, another handy tip from Uncle Steve. That's right. Thanks, Phil. No problem. So moving on into cybersecurity. Well, I know. Privacy. Tinfoil hat territory here. Tinfoil okay. hat territory. Warning. No, Warning. it's not. No, it's not. The, these are the, <laughs> this is the other tech, top tech stories area. <laughs> and I put a bunch of stuff in here about cybersecurity because first off, yes. the big story this past week was the NSA, uh, the Obama administration on their way out, essentially extended and expanded the ability for the NSA to share unfiltered surveillance data with other intelligence agencies. And this was like one of those, oh, my God, are you serious? Because for those that don't know, released during the Snowden revelations was the fact that they have a a technology called X-Keyscore, which is essentially a Google search engine for all of this metadata that's being captured. 
So every phone call you make, every email that you send back and forth, especially those that are unencrypted or are kept in full, um, all of your text messages that are unencrypted and so on and so forth, all that metadata can be searched through this, essentially this Google search engine. Well, now opening it up to all the other intelligence agencies with very limited uh, um, uh, court oversight relative to what you can and cannot do. You know, Snowden even talked about how there were many analysts that would just type in somebody's email address and boom, up came all of their, everything that they'd use that email address on across the internet and their social graph and all the calls they made, um, you know, just the metadata, what numbers they dialed and, you know, who, who owns those numbers and so on and so forth. Well, now that means that everybody's got access to this all the other intel, you know, the FBI and the DEA and so forth, Homeland Security. So, gee, do you think there's a possibility that maybe it'll be abused? No. Holy well, there's shit. that. Like, I have complete trust. Oh <laughs> but it, it also begs the question, okay, with there, the, uh, according to, uh, you know, the, the latest uh, talk, there are 17 separate intelligence agencies within the government, right? Why do we need 17 of them? And if, you know, the, many of them are because they've been disconnected, probably are all doing, you know, the same kind of data collection. So you would think that if they shared it, there'd be a lot more efficiency. Therefore, you could reduce maybe the size of some of these uh, agencies. One would hope. There would be some economies of scale of uh, spying on people. Yeah. <laughs> well, <clears throat> this is why. So we're just making up on volume. Is that what we're doing here? <laughs> This well, is, you know, yeah. maybe this is why at the end of the year I donated another two hundred and fifty bucks to the yep. Electronic Frontier Foundation. Yep. Um, I, I just, you know, it's oh my god, you got to secure your place on that list, Steve. Oh man, of course. But also, um, uh, yep. here's another reason I don't use WhatsApp as a messaging application. Uh, WhatsApp backdoor allows snooping on encrypted messages. Nice. So it was revealed by a security researcher who actually gave Facebook a heads up back in April of 2016 that there was, in fact, a backdoor in WhatsApp. And, oh, by the way, it could have been a programming mistake. Or in, in, in Anyway, so this hit the fan. Everybody was buzzing about it, especially all the people in cybersecurity. And... So um, Facebook and WhatsApp came out uh, denying the backdoor claim and claiming that it's a feature. And the only use case they could come up with, oh, first of all, here's what the backdoor is. The backdoor is essentially um, a new key pair can be created, a public and private key. Um, and the thing is, you know, the signal app that we all use, that encrypted mm -hmm. app, um, uh, if the key changes, I'm notified. Um, and, and so once we connect up, then we have a key, uh, uh, that we share, we share each other's public key. Well, if you change your key, Tim, like if you get a new phone, yeah. um, the signal app gives me a heads up and says, Hey, there's a, this guy's got a new key. And then I can double check to make certain, Hey, by the way, did you just change your signal key or did you get a new phone or something? And you'll say, yeah, well, yeah. I got a new phone. Yeah, I did. I haven't hooked Signal up. Yeah. And so now, boom, now I know, right? Well, WhatsApp, yeah. they can just change the key pairs without anybody knowing and being notified. So their use case was, oh, by the way, if somebody gets a new phone, why, why should we make them 
you know, ge- each generate a new key pair. Let's make it easy for our customers. Well, <laughs> that sounds great, but that means that, you know, any, any, uh, uh, Facebook employee or WhatsApp, uh, employee can just change the key pair and now they can see all the messages or they can hand it over to the government. You know, it's like, so until you, until you accept the new key, you're subject to a man in the middle sort of attack. Precisely. Well, and, and you, but you, but you're not going to be even be aware that the key has changed in WhatsApp. Okay. On, on one of the uh, stories that I dropped in from the company, you know, where they, they disputed this, they did show a screenshot where it showed that there was a notification that, Hey, someone's changed their keys, but there were, you know, messages after that too. Right. 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 So they're, they're claiming that people get notified, you know, I guess. Yeah. But well, just okay. Be safe, I guess, is the is the moral to the story. Yes, yes. Well, and then there were two go other back, things. Go back to writing letters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there you go. Well, you're gonna have to if you're gonna communicate wax. with Donald Trump. He you know he's <laughs> even said that. Uh, but then there were two stories that I thought were were kind of amazing. One was like, oh my god, really? And the other one was kind of just funny. Um, in my view, but, um, flashing a peace sign in selfies yeah, could, could lead to identity theft. What? Yep. Now, how is this? Yeah. So I don't know if you're aware, but how the, did they get to that? the resolution of smartphone cameras are good enough that if I were to take a picture right now of my fingers or thumbprint, um, and I had sufficient lighting, um, meaning, you know, I'm not in the dark and I sent that photo in that you could take that photo and, um, um, you know, create a mold out of it and use it as my thumbprint to open my phone. And so they're saying that, well, so anyway, so there, there was, this was shown back in 2013, uh, at a cyber conference, uh, that it was possible. Well, it's possible if all the conditions are right. And so as I'm reading this article, I'm thinking, okay, well, it's gotta be like an outdoor, photo it's got to be this it's got to be that and all of that and then at the end of the article they said and only 20 percent of smartphone photos have those criteria meaning enough light like they're taken outside and all of that and i thought mm-hmm. wait a minute 20 that, that's 20 out of 100 photos it's like wow yeah. that's a lot um so you know it's just something to be aware of. But then the funny article was, I don't know if everyone knows that uh, Rudy Giuliani is uh, Donald Trump's pick for cybersecurity chief. <laughs> and it turns out his website for his cybersecurity firm, which nobody know, really knows what even what they do, is hilariously insecure. And this morning I went to it and it's offline. So he was running an out-of-date Joomla instance. And um, uh, all kinds of other stuff, like he had an expired SSL certificate. Um, the site didn't force HTTPS on all the pages. He was using Flash. He got an SSL lab grade of F. <laughs> oh my God! It's just like it's just like the all of the basics, just the basic stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and the guy couldn't get that right. So it's like, oh, well, my God. I mean, it's not like he's sitting in his basement, uh, you know, administering his Joomla uh, deal. Well, he probably no. doesn't even understand it. He probably doesn't I mean? even understand it. But I mean, it, you know, it's like, so seriously, it's, if you're going to run a cybersecurity consulting firm, yeah, his web you're, guy you're face to the, yeah, to, yeah. to the world better be 
better be yeah. a, a showcase for the fact that it's a secure site. <laughs> it's like, yep. Oh my well, God. I mean, it's pretty simple that, you know, the reason that he was a pick is, uh, um, the, president-elect is running out of positions to pay people off with and this was like uh correct rudy you you can do this you can do this this isn't a big deal yeah yeah Yeah, because my 10 year old son can do it rudy you can do it a little harsh i know pay people off i'm a little harsh on that but i mean i mean go it's you bring you bring people into your cabinet mostly because you you uh they've they've helped you get to where you are and it's it's, right it's it's a it's a payback to some extent so yeah yeah indeed indeed it is and it it also works the other the other direction as well when obama came in sure it did sure it did you bring in your people they say so well tim these last three stories i want you to introduce my friend because you put them in here and uh, i'm passing the baton Okay. Well, the first one is a long piece from Stephen Levy uh, at uh, Back Channel that talks about the 10-year anniversary of uh, the iPhone, which came out, um, well, I guess, 10 years ago uh, this uh, summer. They're they're just so struggling, though. It's just too bad. Yeah. Well, (laughs) it is is interesting. You know, I remember when when Steve Jobs, uh, in in, uh, about this time 10 years ago, introduced it. Um, it was around CES time, as I recall. Uh, I guess CES was going at the yep. same time. Yep. He did a live event. And, uh, you know, it it was a momentous an announcement. And then uh, it didn't come out until, what, June or July? Something like that. It was that. June. Yep. In June. And I, I remember the phone was, it, it was a great looking phone, but it was like, what was it, six or $700 for the cheapest one? Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it had like 12 apps on it. Right. So, I mean, at the time, it was great looking technology, but it was so expensive. It, was, it just was kind of a joke in, in my mind. And you had to go and use singular of all places. So if you're on a, a different network, you know, you had to switch and all that stuff. But flash forward 10 years now, and it is the dominant smartphone platform, at yes. least in innovation. Maybe not in numbers, but in innovation and mind share and all that kind of stuff and it really has changed apple profoundly we we uh we started the Midivate gang podcast shortly after the release of the the iphone i believe wasn't it probably about a little less than a year after that um you know what that means right coincidence that it took off after that i don't (laughs) know i I think it was because we talked about it so much well and people wanted to hear us so that's right (laughs) so anyway i just was because it's a good article phil schiller is interviewed it's a 10-year anniversary of the iphone we had that we had this you know point that out this is a big deal yes it is it is and by the way the article you put in there is the best one that's out there on the in my view so well, Stephen Levy, great, great author. Yeah. He's written a lot of books. Has been covering this space for a long time. Yep. Yep. So, and also and Microsoft. Is yeah, this the is AI a, world. Yeah. So, so it seems like uh, one of the the stories that at least I'm uh, tuned into this year is AI, and I, I think this yep. will be a big, a big uh, uh, technology. And uh, Microsoft, you know, they've been in it with Cortana, and Cortana is okay, right? Definitely not as good as uh, Siri is, and and uh, I think the the market leader right now is the Google Assistant, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, Amazon's uh, Alexa somewhere in, in in the mix there. So Microsoft just bought a uh, AI startup to uh, kind of catch up, and I just wanted to stick that into like- the mix. 
It seems like uh, that, you know, ever since, you know, when when Microsoft, obviously, since since their inception, they've really only had one leading role. And that's it. That's been in the enterprise space and, and you know, in, in desktop computers. It, everything else seems to be catching up now. You know, everything we do or we report on Microsoft is they're entering into something that they're catching yeah. up in, yeah. uh, which is. Yep. Too bad. Uh, is it a culture thing there, you suppose? Uh, I mean, I'm sure people have talked about this before, and you know, I think we've even talked about it before. Is, is, is the culture such that they're not innovating, they're following? Well, I think I personally well, it, think it's because the, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's the legacy conundrum where you end up having to support your, you can't leave your current customers behind. So it's very no. difficult to move ahead when you have to have everything be be uh, backwardly compatible uh or you have to cut stuff off and all of that and and it's just a really hard thing um the only thing about this the, the ai startup it's uh, maluba yeah how it's pronounced i think and i think so yeah so what what's what's interesting about this whole thing is that um it, what everybody says about ai artificial intelligence is that it really requires a tremendous amount of data and you can't always anticipate what's what the AI is going to learn or discover from data. So you essentially just sort of, you know, somewhat structure it, but you throw it at the AI system and let it figure it out, let it scan through it and, and have it all. And that's the only wild card in here is the fact that when you look at what Google's done with search and all the things that they have, access to and Google Analytics and Google Webmaster and all of the things where they've got their tentacles into all of these areas where they can essentially scoop up all the data. They've got the book scanning thing they were doing for a long time and yada, yada, yada. And and that, I think, is the hardest thing for any other company to compete with. Right. Because, you know, you look at the other companies and they all have different you know, core businesses, but, but Google's core business is the data. So yeah. they're all, I think they're always going to be the, the best at this and everybody else is, he needs to have a credible uh, position and clearly Apple does and, and Amazon does. And now uh, Microsoft is trying to, to join that group as well to have a, a credible um, competitive AI product to, yeah. to the other but one of the things that, that um, Microsoft is, is good at, especially under uh, Nadella, is trying to embrace other platforms, uh, iOS and Android. Um, and, and I think that's a smart strategy. So hopefully we'll see this, their AI continue to make inroads on, on other platforms uh, yep. um, to, to give you a choice. You right, know, right. One size uh, does not fit all. And also, while I was on the verge uh, for this story, I noticed that the Nintendo Switch is coming out on the 3rd of March. It'll be $300 here in the U.S., and they have a, they have a write-up on it. So I stuck the, uh, the write-up in the, with, with a video of uh, their first impressions of the Switch, and it looks like it might be a, a, an interesting gaming platform, and uh, clearly Nintendo is first to the next generation and uh, their vision is a kind of a merged uh, console slash uh, handheld well and with asked, interest with interesting controllers too. well i asked my son about it last night my um my gaming industry 
guru. Uh-huh. And I said, so uh, are you going to buy a Nintendo Switch? Yep. And he looked at me and he goes, Dad, you know, that's really for casual gaming. Ah. And I'm not interested in casual gaming. Ah. And, huh? and I said, oh, okay. Um, and, and, you know, it's it's funny because I asked him at one point if he wanted to have a project where he and I would build a PC. Let's build, like, the, the most awesome gaming PC ever known to humankind. And he's like, that's really great. And I priced it out. It was like $3,500 in parts. <laughs> I said, let's do something else. <laughs> so we went to New York. But anyway, um, this is uh, this is interesting to, to see the, his take on it that is like, eh, whatever. Uh, I think it still will be uh, very successful. I do, too. I do, too. So. I do, too. Well, Phil, you just slipped something in there, my friend. Yeah, I, just, I put it in because uh, I, I thought... We should follow up on, a, you know, these stories every once in a while. We talked about the Lily drone. Uh, I think it was back when Graham Wood was, a, was, was with us. He uh, it was one of his cool things, which was that that drone on Kickstarter that you threw into the air and it popped open and um, and uh, could, could follow along and take a selfie of you. That sort of a thing. And they, yeah. they got yeah, thirty four. Yeah. They got thirty four million dollars on Kickstarter. Well, uh, it was announced this week they're dead so um uh, too they, bad they burned through all 34 million dollars on uh r&d and have no money left to produce it so i so really thought that was a clever idea you know to be able to follow you around and um i just I, I, you know just was seemed cool but yeah it was very very cool but so which which is sort of a cautionary tale remember when you when you invest in kickstarter uh there's yep. The, you, they don't owe it to you. I mean, there's every chance it's going to go, you know, bad for them. Like our Insta mics. Are we ever going to see those? Yeah, I'm starting to wonder about that one myself. Like, I'm yeah. glad you asked about that, Steve. I, I, did, I think the last thing I saw was they were going to start shipping them, what, January, February? Yeah, I mean, I, come on. I, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, that's been, I, I, I've got no reason to believe it's, it's going to be year. anytime soon. I know. I know. <laughs> All right, kids, it's time for the cool thing of the week. Cool thing of the week. And I'll start because mine isn't as it cool as you guys's. Oh, and stop. I never get to start, so I'm going to start. Um, uh, the Obamas bid farewell with a virtual reality White House tour. Yeah, I haven't seen that. I, um, I saw, it oh, is. I well, he, here's what was the most interesting thing. And for everybody listening, uh, there'll obviously be a link in the show notes. Um, it's the first time that I've seen someone or seen a virtual reality tour that had voiceover. And so you could just sit and watch it and not do it as a VR tour. It would look like a video. Right. But um, when you, they there's a fade to black and then a fade into the next segment, which is the Oval Office, let's say, mm-hmm. and there's Obama talking and there's voiceover is happening, then you can touch the screen uh, or use your mouse and you can start to uh, uh, view Look through around. the 360 um, in the Oval Office. While, and, the, while the narration's, while the narration's going yeah. on. I've never experienced that before. And, and um, I thought it was really awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Phil? Very cool. Uh, today, well, I, actually, this week I, I uh, received or ordered some uh, the ProTech privacy webcam cover. You know, the webcam covers are you can get like all sorts of a zillion different kinds if yep. you want to, you know, put a, a, a slideable cover on your your webcam on your your laptop or your phone or or 
you know, your monitor. Uh, I really like these. They're a little bit, you know, they're like 1495 for three of them. They're quite small, but they are metal uh, and they, they function very well. Yeah. Uh, and they're very small and very thin. Uh, I haven't put one on my phone, you know, the front facing camera on my phone, but I think uh, even even if I put it on the phone, it's still thin enough that it won't won't necessarily get hung up because there's an edge on my phone case that would. Uh, and yeah. it's better than having black electrical tape on it. And uh, well, though well, I still tape is actually, but I still, <laughs> but I still use that as well on one of my computers because it's you know it's timeless is what it is. It's uh, it's the you know the uh, college dorm way of covering up your, your phone. Yeah, yeah. So cool. So check that out. That looks good, Mister yep. Tim. So mine is a fitness uh, smartwatch. It's called uh, Chronovo, and it is up on Kickstarter right now. It comes out of England, and uh, they're currently have blown way past their goal with a couple weeks left. And uh, what's interesting about this one is that not only is it uh, reasonable in cost, it's uh, $129 once you uh, do the conversion from the uh, British pound. Um, it takes fitness... Um, to, I, I think, a different level than it has been before. Because most of these uh, either fitness bands or smartwatches that have fitness features, um, they offload a lot of the fitness part of it onto the, uh, the, phone. the watch or, or the phone. Yeah. I mean, yeah. This one kind of does it in reverse where it, it includes like uh, videos of how to do exercises right on the phone, huh. which, which sounds a bit funny until you think about while well, you're at the gym, you probably don't have your smartphone with you and you just want to know how to do this particular exercise and you click it on the phone and it plays it. So I think this has a lot of potential. Um, it, it looks pretty good, although it's, it looks uh, a little bit on the thick side, but it looks like a regular round watch and it's reasonable in cost and it ticks all the boxes as far as measuring, um, you know, everything that, that has to do with the fitness side of things. So I think there's a lot of potential here. I'm going to keep watching this and hopefully uh, they'll actually ship uh, something like this. Very you never cool. know with Kickstarter, right? Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you never right. know. Oh. We'll see. Did, hey, did anybody get over to SportCon this week? I I had uh, I was planning on being at SportCon, uh, but that was the morning of our our first little bout of snow, and uh, I got unable to get there on time. And then the day kind of went to crap. So, uh, sounded like it was a big deal. Did you guys go? No, anybody? I did not go. Yeah. So, um, another mini analytics event. So check it out. Yep, you can find some write ups so all all over the web. So. So I, I got a, a email from Mima this week that I put in um, their event coming up on the 19th. So it's the 2017 trends for the modern marketer. Okay. And so I, is, I stuck that in there. This is just one of their monthly meetups sort of thing. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. We haven't mentioned them in a while. So I would just thought I'd throw them a bone since I did yep. receive an email from them. And our friend Greg Swan will be uh, will be moderating that panel. And Greg, yeah, mm-hmm. Greg could probably you know talk about all the trends all by himself, but he's going to be sharing the stage with other folks. So, yep. Well, and then I just um, updated the um, um, complete list of 250 plus tech, IT, and DevOps conferences in 2017. And there's also a link to the Google spreadsheet. So if you want to, if you're interested in something specific, go out there and look at that and. 
there's obviously conferences all over the place that you can um, you can go see and go to and pay a lot of money for it sometimes. And play a lot, pay a lot of money. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. All right. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll check out, see what happens uh, in the coming week, and and we'll talk about it next week on the Innovate Gang Podcast. Take Have care, guys. One.